If it's not good for you, I apologize. But chapter 25 deals with the church, right? The church. And again, we've talked about the fact that the church has been established by God. It's one of those relationships we've talked about. We had the family. We've had marriage and divorce with that. We've had the civil magistrate. So the civil magistrate being established by God. Um, and now we consider the church. The church established by God. You know, I'm not sure how many of us stop and think just exactly why the church exists. I dare say that there are a lot of Christians that will go, a lot of people for sure, but even Christians that will go to church today never considering their obligation before God to do so. Never considering that it's a gift from God. It has a function. It has a purpose for their good. For their good. Okay? So, as we consider chapter 25, chapter 20, uh, paragraph 1, dealt with the invisible church, made up of God's what? God's elect, all right? Known to God alone. The elect. The Lord knows all those that are his. That he's given to the Son, that the Son has redeemed by his atoning death. Those for whom the Son prays. The elect, the invisible church. Paragraph 2 deals with the visible church. Visible church made up of who? Obviously, we can see them. Okay? They're visible. Made up of all those who profess to be believers along with their children. Now, let me just stop. We didn't mention this, I don't think. All those who profess, how is it that a believer, we're talking now in context, visible church, what is the primary way apart from the sacrament of baptism? What is the primary way that a believer professes that they are a believer? Membership in the church. Membership in the church. You can attend a church all your life and never make a profession. You can attend a church all your life and be lost. But just because you make a profession and become a member doesn't mean you're saved. But it's you making a statement to the world, certainly to those around you, that I'm a believer. Because as we have talked about, the only way in this church you become a member is you come before the session and you give your testimony. 
right? Among other things, but that's, that's the main thing. That's the qualifying event. We want you to understand what we're about, what we believe, our form of government, our distinctives, etc. But the primary qualification for membership is that you profess to know Christ as your Savior. Don't know Christ, I don't care how much you agree with everything else. In this church, you won't be a member. Right? So, membership. The establishment of the church by God is for the good of his people and as we've considered the work of the kingdom that's the third paragraph and if you aren't a member you are not receiving all of the good God has for you in the establishment of this entity this institution the church and if you aren't a member chances are you are not participating as much as you otherwise might be, maybe should be, in the work of the kingdom. Because it's to the church primarily that God has given the ministry, the work of the kingdom. Individuals, right? We have our place, we have our obligations before God. But it's primarily the ministry. So if you're not a member, you know, whether it's this church, whether it's some other church, then I would challenge you to consider why. Because it's to your detriment, God will accomplish his purpose. But it's to the detriment of the people who sit in the pew who don't become members because they don't want the obligations because they don't want the oversight, because whatever. I don't know. Don't know. But maybe you've talked to people and you've heard reasons. Well, I don't agree with this. I doubt that you will ever find a church that you agree 100% with. Okay? And that's okay. If the reason you disagree with them is because they are not preaching and teaching the word of God in truth, my question to you is why are you even going? Why would you attend a church that's not faithful to God's word? And if they are, you just don't happen to like this particular position they take, then in, in, in my old country way, I'd probably just say, well, get over it, all right? You, you can, if you agree with what they're teaching in principle, they're, they're faithful to God's word, except they interpret something a little different from you, or they're open on this, and no, 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 we shouldn't be open. We should believe what we believe. If that's your only problem, and we then allow, we say, well, you're allowed to believe what you want to believe as to this particular interpretation. It's just that we aren't going to keep others out of membership. 
That's why we hold a lot of these positions, is to make membership accessible to a variety of people who believe in principle on the truths of God's word. They're just a little different here in this interpretation. And that interpretation, right? But we don't want to keep those people out of membership. They love what we're about otherwise. So it comes back to then, well, how important is membership? We think it's pretty important. We think it's very important. So, the visible church. Paragraph three, the functioning church. We consider there the ministry. Ministry of the functioning church. The work of the church is to evangelize and to edify. Right, that's the ministry. Evangelize and edify. What are the tools? What are the tools that our confession and the word of God t tells us we have to work with? Two things. One of them is anybody know what this is? Bible. Thank you. The Bible. All right. The Bible and and what is this would this make you think of? Communion being one of the sacraments. Those are the tools God's given to the church. The Word of God and the sacraments. Now, there are other things, but those are the primary tools. If the church, if a local church is ignoring the Word of God, they're not a church. If there is a local church that is not administering the sacraments, they're not being faithful to God's word. All right, pure and simple. And it's those things that God has given. But you can be faithful in every respect there, but what is it that makes it effective? Two things, we're told. One of them is the presence of Christ. The presence of Christ. And the help of who? The help of the Holy Spirit. The help. You don't have the presence of Christ and the help of the Holy Spirit, and we'll see a passage. We're going to look at it this morning. You don't have that. You don't have a functioning church. I don't care if you're doing everything else right. Because that's a church with no power. No power. None. Critical. That's why it's important to pray. Just as important. And again, I'll mention it at the end. But what we're saying about the church in most areas is true about you and me individually. If you aren't praying for the Holy Spirit in your life, in daily helping you, how do you expect to live for the Lord? You, you know it. You read God's word. Maybe you pray. At least you do something that you call prayer. 
right? And it may sound like a prayer. But if you don't have the help of the Holy Spirit, where are you? Where are you? It's the Holy Spirit that you're going through the day that helps prick that conscience. It's the Holy Spirit that can help bring to remembrance the psalmist we read. I meditate on your law all the day long. You know, I don't know about you. I can speak for me. I can't speak for you. But you get going through the day. Going about what you normally do. And it kind of consumes. If you're like me, I've got to give my mind to it because it doesn't just happen automatically. Right? And you get going. And all of a sudden, half the day, two-thirds of the day is gone. How many times have you thought about God's word? How many times have you thought about God? Thought about what Christ has done for you? Pray, Lord, I need your help here. The devil is, is after me. I need your help. Are you saying, no, I've got I to resist this temptation. I've got to resist. And you can talk to yourself all day long, but I, I tell you, it may be very difficult for you, will be difficult for you to have victory. Right? So, the help of the Holy Spirit. We saw the favored church in the larger catechism. Question 63 deals with the special privileges. The, the, the question is, what are the special privileges of the visible church. If that's when I was saying, if you aren't a member of a local visible church, you may be missing out on one or more of those privileges, or you may not be enjoying the full benefit. Okay? So think about that. Then we got to paragraph four that I kind of labeled the fluctuating church. All right, the fluctuating church. Uh, it says the Catholic Church hath been sometimes more, sometimes less visible, and particular churches which are members thereof are more or less pure, according as the doctrine of the gospel is taught and embraced. Let me just stop there and say, and embraced. Embraced is the key to this whole paragraph. Right? Embraced is the key. If you don't embrace it, you can know every bit of it. But embracing it means you've taken it to heart. It's what is going to govern your life. What you ask God to help you by his grace govern your heart. Right? You embrace it. It's taught and embraced. Ordinances administered. Sacraments and public worship performed more or less purely in them. Now again, what I had said earlier, note, more or less pure according as the doctrine of the gospel is taught. That's using God's word. We talked about one of the tools. And embraced, making it useful in our lives. The ordinances administered, they're the sacraments, 
So we've got the word of God and the sacraments, things we talked about, the tools. If they're not being used, the church is less pure. That's what the confession is saying. The church isn't doing everything it needs to be doing. It's got some problems. Got some problems. And public worship performed more or less purely in them. That's where our coming together, what's being done. We believe that God has set forth the elements of worship in his word. We call it the regulative principle. God's regulated worship. He said, here's what you do. Now, he didn't set out in his word, you start with this, and then you have prayer, and then you have a hymn, or you sing a psalm, and then you read. It's not there. But we know that praying is one of the things he's directed to be done. We know that singing, praising him is one of the things he's directed to be done. We know that reading his word is one of the things. Preaching his word, one of the things. Right? Ties and offerings. So it's up to the church to see that that's done. So the liturgy, the, 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 the way worship's done in a church, don't get too caught up in it. Consider if they're doing everything. But liturgy can become something that almost that people worship instead of letting it take them to the God that they ought to be worshiping. Okay? So be careful. You know, well, this church doesn't do this. This, you know, I'm happy if you like the way a church does things and it just lifts your heart up to the Lord. It's doing its job, and that's good. That's good. That's what it's supposed to be doing. All right? But if a church is doing a good job, is, is, is faithful to God's word, is administering the sacraments, they're singing hymns, what order they do it in, please don't let that be something that keeps you from joining that church. Okay? Just not a valid reason. Not at all. The fluctuating church, more or less visible, more or less pure. Now, we had looked on page 639. So if you've got your material, not you can follow along here, but you, you need, if you've got your materials, it helps. Uh, we had looked at what causes, and I've, I've modified my question a little bit. What causes the true church? I had, what causes the church to be more or less visible or more or less pure? Uh, I, I was thinking about that again as I was looking over stuff for today. What causes the true church, right? We're not talking about just any church on the block. We're talking about the true, visible church. What causes the true church to be more or less visible in the right way? All right, plenty of churches that are very visible today. Huge, you know? And you look at what they're doing, Wow, they've got their bands, they got whatever. Okay? 
Are they being visible? Are they being pure in their visibility? Okay? More or less visible and more or less pure. Now, we looked and we got down through three or four. We, we saw uh, the proof text number one on page 638, Romans 11, three and four, the persecution, okay? Now, it, the, the reference there in Romans referring back to Elijah, Lord, I'm the only one left. Elijah didn't see anybody. He honestly thought he was the only one left. He didn't know about the 7,000 that hadn't bowed, bowed their knee. Okay? God says, no, you're not the only one. I've still got a host. I've still got the church is still here. You, you can't see all of it. You can't, you don't know, but it's here. It's less visible. Happens today. Church more or less visible. Persecution. Persecution. Countries where it drives the church as it were underground, we talk about. People won't come together and assemble in the open like you and I are doing. Why? Because they're afraid for their life. They'll lose everything they have. Maybe their children will be taken away from them. All kinds of things that cause people to be less visible. So persecution's one. Second uh, proof text we looked at was number two there, 1 Corinthians 5, 6, or 7. And I titled this one, They're Careless. Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven. Church had gotten a little careless. A little leaven had been coming into the congregation. All right? And Christ tells us what leaven does. Before long, it's in the whole, it's affected the whole lump. Okay? Church has to be careful. If not, the leaven gets in there. And all of a sudden, something slides a little bit. And the church becomes a little less pure. Because it's not careful. Hard. True for you in your life and me in my life. We don't read God's word. You're letting a little leaven come into your life. And before long, you don't have time to read God's word. Before long, you know, week, two weeks, month, before long, it really doesn't bother you that you didn't read God's word today or yesterday. Hopefully, it bothers you when you miss reading God's word. And I think it happens to everybody. Things happen. All of a sudden, there's a, an emergency, and it just, it, the, the devil, whatever, seems like those emergencies for Christians a lot of times happen at the time they'd set aside to meet with the Lord. And boom, you get going. Well, now it's time to be at work. So now you're at work, boom, and before you know it, the day's over. 
and you didn't have your time with the Lord. A little leaven. Be careful. Be careful. Then, and you can turn to Revelation, because we this is where we'll pick up. Revelation 2 and 3, you, the passages that deal with um, the seven churches. And we considered a couple of these last week. I'm not going to reread the passages. Revelation 3, 14 through 22, deals with the church at Laodicea. And the term that we gave to this was they became indifferent. They became indifferent. They weren't hot and they weren't cold. They just nauseated God. Right? Then we had the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2, 1 through 7. Now Ephesus, that's the one that, that if you read the passage, you're sitting there saying, looks like a pretty good church. Hey, I could I could be a member of that church. They were doing the right things. They were on the straight and narrow in what they did. You look at it, and again, it's very commendable. But what do we know about the church at Ephesus? They had what? They'd left their first love. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? If they left their first love. Does it suggest to you that, or does it raise it? Well, why were they doing what they were doing? At least to start with, why were they doing it? Because they were consumed with loving God. They were consumed with the love of a God that had given his son. They were consumed with the love of a son that had given his life. And they wanted to serve him. And now, testimony that God raises is, you don't, you don't love me like you used to. You, you aren't doing these things out of the same heart of love. You've left your first love. I'm not the primary love of your heart. Okay? They were self-satisfying. They were doing the right things, and they, it made them comfortable in their religion because they were doing the right things. Now, doing the right things should make you feel good. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. I said, why are you doing these things? And if it's because it makes you feel good, uh-uh. If that's the primary reason, and that's what I would suggest to you, it happened in Ephesus. It made them feel good because they were doing the right things. It was fine that it made them feel good, but if that's the primary reason they were doing it, they left their first love. So, a little self-satisfaction. All right. 
So let's go from there. Let's, uh, while we're in, in Revelation there, let's look at uh, 12 through 17. Church at Pergamos. Starting at verse 13, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith. They're, they're in a tough place, all right? They're in a hard place to be a Christian. But they've not, they've not, uh, they've held fast to Christ's name. They haven't forsaken it. You've not denied my faith, even in those days wherein uh, Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. Tough place. But I have a few things against thee. Because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. He's talking to his church. All right. He's not talking about who's in the neighborhood. He's talking about who's in the church. Okay? Those that hold fast, excuse me, those that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So is thou also them that hold the doctrine of, of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Again, probably some variation of the, the, the Balaam aspect. But again, in the church. Now, and you see, he, he talks about, you know, the, the Lord's at least, he, he took into consideration me a lot of times when he, he, he spells it out, right? So why is it bad? Because why, why is it so bad. I mean, these people, yeah, you got people and you always have people and you don't know what everybody's thinking and what they may be talking about with somebody else. But he said, these people are bad because this is what caused the children of Israel to engage in false worship. You got the people in your congregation that are wanting to have the members they're advocating something to get your people into false worship. Okay? You have to watch. We've got to be careful some of the conclusions we come to when we're reading God's Word. We just need to make sure. All right? Don't, just because somebody happens to be very popular, seems like everybody's embracing them. They're the next great thing for the church. But you start looking at what they have to say, and it's great up to here. And then they throw something in. You say, what? What? Where'd that come from? Well, it came from a conclusion they came to when they were forming and, and, and putting together what they were going to teach or preach. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. A lack of discipline is the title, the, the caption that I put on this. 
So repent, verse 16, repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Fearful, isn't it? Think about God coming to clean up the church. It'd be a hard place to be. God coming in with his sword. Fine. You won't clean it up. I will. It's lack of discipline. And you got the same thing with the uh, church with Thyatira, which is the next section, starting with verse 18. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. They were, they were expanding their ministry. They were doing more. They were, you know, again, you look at these things, you, okay, good, good church. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. All right? And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. All right? And he goes on and talks about the judgment. But again, why, why, why did the church not do something? I mean, I think you can assume that this was not a secretive thing that the church just didn't know about. All right? It was, you know, but I think the passage assumes that y'all should have done it. You knew, but you've tolerated it, right? Discipline is important. And I hope, I hope if, if the elders ever come and say, you know, you, you need to be careful here. You know, you, you're, you're, your thinking's getting a little off base, it would seem. Don't, don't, don't bow you back. We're not doing it to beat you down. We're doing it because we care about you. Do you want to be one of those that if the Lord comes with his sword, he has to carve you up? Well, that's what the leadership of the church, if it's doing its job by God's grace and with his help is trying to do so receive it with the understanding that it's, it's again it's not to criticize you it's to help you just like you do with your children I, I, I think I told you not to do that didn't I or you see they're, they're starting to get a little careless they're starting to get a little wayward now, and remember can't do this. It's you exercising discipline. And your child, you know, again, oh boy, mom, dad, well, you're just all over me, aren't you? You just want to make my life miserable. <laughs> and yeah, in one sense, they do. One sense, you and I do. Miserable because you want to do what's wrong and we want you to do what's right and we hope you're miserable in your wrongdoing. Now, 
we wouldn't say it that way. And hopefully it doesn't come across that it's just nothing but making you miserable. But you have to understand, you know, down the road, years, experience teaches you a lot of things. A lot of things. And sometimes we just don't want those following us to have to learn those things the same way we did. You know, if we can keep you from the hard places, if we can keep you from being wounded and abused by Satan and his cohorts, we want to. So hopefully it comes across that way. All right. So a lack of discipline. Take a look at Second Peter. Second Peter two. Which will just be back a couple of pages for you. Second Peter two verses one through three. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, the visible church, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Okay. False prophets, he's identified them. False prophets, damnable heresies. And then what does he say in verse 2? There's going to be a lot of folks in the visible church that are going to follow. They're going to believe it. Wait a minute. No. No. Why? In the visible church, we got heresies and a lot of people are going to follow. Why? Because he didn't recognize a damnable heresy when it hit their ears. But our problem here, the church being more or less pure, is wrong theology. That's what this is about. Heresies, wrong theology. All right? Wrong theology. What's coming from the pulpit starting to get skewered a little bit. Even, you see what it says? Even denying Christ? You know of any churches in existence today that are identified as Protestant Christian churches? that deny things concerning Christ. We're in October. The month of Reformation. The Roman Catholic Church would have been considered the Protestant Church, the Christian Church of the day, not Protestant, but Christian Church of the day. denied 
the person and work of Christ. Blasphemed his name, and still do. And how many millions embrace it? How many, do you know? Do you know of someone who has gone from the Protestant religion, Christian faith, and has joined the Catholic Church? I know of some. I know of some. He said, what? How? They like the liturgy. They like whatever. They like that they can go confess their sins to another sinner who needs to be confessing their sins as well, but both need to be confessing it to the right person, to Christ, right? But they like going and saying, your sins are forgiven. Knowing that they can go commit them and come back the next day or the next week or whatever and do it all over again. And their sins are forgiven. That's like the Israelites saying, well, hey, it doesn't really matter what I, what I do. I can just go off for another bullet. My sins are forgiven all over again. No. Okay. Need to be careful. Need to be careful. My time's gone. We'll pick up again here. Um, now, I do not think, not positive on this, but I don't think we'll be meeting next week. I think we are moving our day of prayer forward. This is a five-Sunday month. Normally on the fifth Sunday, we have our day of prayer. But the fifth Sunday is part of our Reformation weekend. So I think we're moving the day of prayer to next Lord's Day, which means no Sabbath school. Then the next Lord's Day, uh, Dr. Matsko will have the Sunday school, all right, as part of the Reformation situation. So I'm gone at least, uh, I'm not gone, but I'm not teaching for at least a couple of weeks, most likely here, as far as I know. So we'll pick up with this. But again, be thinking about this because, again, I'm talking with this about the church, but just about everything we say applies individually. You, you need to look at all of it. What you're reading in your private times, the books, the people, and what they say. Again, be aware, and, and I don't say this about anybody in particular, all right? I'm not trying to critique any particular person. But just understand, the devil always likes to mix a lot of truth with a little error. But the error generally is critical. So be careful. All right, let's pray. Father, again, we are grateful to you for the mercy that you've shown us in, in giving us your word to help us understand what we are to believe concerning thee and what you require of us, the duties you require of us. Lord, help us to know those things. If we know the truth, the truth will set us free. If we embrace the truth, if we embrace thy word, it will be the lamp and the light. It'll show us the way we need to go, step by step. So, Lord, help us to make good use individually and as a church 
Lord, we're not immune from error. We can be less pure just like any other church. But we pray that you would help us individually to seek with the help of the Holy Spirit and through thy word to be more pure, to be more and more righteous, dying more and more to sin daily. And Lord, help us as a church to protect, to be on our guard, to not grow complacent, indifferent, satisfied with what we have because it's all the right things. Lord, help us to make sure that it's all the right things done from a heart that loves you first. Bless our time now between our Sabbath school time here in the morning worship. But Lord, we pray, may we know your presence with us. Again, we, we understand, we know in our head that your presence, the help of the Holy Spirit, will be key to our worshiping you in spirit and in truth. So, Lord, may that be the desire of our heart as well as our head. Help us, we pray. We'll thank you for it. We thank you that you love us, that you, you have given privileges to the church, that you want us to enjoy thee. May we do so today, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.